Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, February 3rd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. We're going to talk about Super Bowl 55, take a look around the ACC and the Big Ten in college basketball here on today's show. And today's show is the 1500th edition of either Bang the Book Radio or ATS Radio That does include some stuff that I wasn't on. We had a basketball podcast through Bang the Book that was done uh, three times a week that I wasn't on. So it's not my 1500th show, but it is the 1500th show overall uh, for this little baby that I started back in August of 2013. So over 8 million listeners here to date so far, 1500 editions of Bang the Book Radio or ATS Radio. So thank you so much to everybody that's been along for the ride, all of the listeners, I know there are some listeners that have been around for a very, very long time. I thank you for that. To all the guests I've had over the years on this show, much appreciated for coming on, taking your time, giving us your insights here across a variety of different sports betting markets and big-time events. So, been a lot of fun. Certainly expecting to have a lot more of these shows as we go forward here, and definitely excited to talk about the Super Bowl and some college hoops on today's edition of ATS Radio. Over at ATS.io, got some prop stuff up yesterday, my article on game props, and then my article on the Kansas City Chiefs props that I like here for Super Bowl 55. I got my situational articles for the NBA and the NHL up over there. You can keep checking back to those each and every day to see the spots of interest for that evening's games. Did a market report update yesterday on the Super Bowl, and we'll talk a little bit more about the side and total here on today's show. You can check that out over at ATS.io as well. And the rest of the writers over there doing fantastic work covering the NFL, college basketball, NBA, NHL, so on and so forth. And we're probably about, I would say, four weeks or so from my MLB betting guide for the 2021 season. Hoping to have that out here the last week of February. So definitely hard at work on that as well. Finally, download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store Full article integration from the website, but the app is also a bet tracker, has an odd screen with the U.S. Sportsbooks, a stats database to help you out with your handicapping. Lots of impressive betting resources there in the ATS app. I encourage you to download that and check that out today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Kiev, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great, Adam. And first of all, congratulations on 1500 episodes here i mean what a phenomenal feat to accomplish my man i mean you are a staple in this industry and i gotta tell you out of all those episodes i would bet that i listened to at least 1200 of them i appreciate that and uh yeah you know it's been it's been interesting to say the least i think it was about 2016 i want to say that we started doing the daily show five days a week monday through friday there was even a time when i was doing two hours a day here uh, on the show usually with three or four different guests we've kind of trimmed down that format a little bit here now but you know it's uh, been interesting to watch the industry grow and develop in that time obviously starting long before legal sports betting in the u.s was allowed uh so you know we've we've seen and done a lot here on the show's Definitely hoping to keep doing that as we go forward here. And uh, Mm -hmm. we'll finally get to see the Super Bowl coming up here on Sunday after two weeks worth of prepping and talking and analyzing everything and anything about this game here. Chiefs still minus three with extra juice out there across most of the market. 56, 
the total across most of the market as well. You will find some 56 and a halfs out there. Maybe you find a rogue three and a half, something like that. But Kiev, just not a whole lot of movement on the line here since we last talked on Wednesday. No, it seems pretty frozen at the at the minus 120. I still think it's going to close at three and a half. I don't think it will get to four because I just think there's going to be too much Brady money stopping that. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I, there's going to be some weather possibly. You know, I've been looking at it every single morning and it doesn't look like those rain clouds are going away. As a matter of fact, the rain uh, precipitation chances went up a little bit, as you, we just discussed before the show. And uh, maybe the wind went down a little bit. But if there's going to be thunderstorms, uh, I would guess that there's going to be some wind. And so, you know, my concern would be uh, the, for the passing game, for sure. And you'd have to think a little bit more towards the running game if that happens, Adam. Yeah, you know, that's a big question. I mean, obviously, you know, weather can be unpredictable in the state of Florida at all times. And certainly here, you know, at this time of the year, a lot of moisture down that way, a lot of precipitation. Maybe you don't get some of the severe thunderstorms that you'll see pop up, you know, in the later spring and in the summer months, but still could be a factor. And again, we're still, you know, four or five days out from the game to the point where, you know, you really don't want to put too much emphasis on the weather forecast at this point in time. And something else to keep in mind here, too, and and maybe we haven't talked enough about this point uh, throughout the week, is that, look, this is the tip of the iceberg, and maybe just the the tippy top of the iceberg in terms of money that will come in on this game. Because sharper bettors, more influential bettors, are taking pieces here and there of the props, of the line, of the total, stuff like that, the derivative markets. But for the most part here, public and recreational bettors will not get involved in this game until Saturday night or Sunday. So we've still yet to see an avalanche of money, multiple avalanches of money that will come in on this game. And I think it's interesting you mentioned that Tom Brady sentiment because we have seen the Buccaneers take money on game day pretty much, what, at least three weeks in a row here in the playoffs and certainly, you know, at the tail end of the regular season too where they kind of seem to get things on track a little bit. It makes me wonder what does happen with this line as we get to the weekend. I, too, am expecting three and a half to be the closing number. But, you know, you kind of wonder what's going to wind up with all that public money that's coming in here, you know, within 36 hours of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have to wonder when, if you're going to try to go against the public, like, I mean, it just in general, you would think the unders, when to do that. Because if you're going to get in um, at a spot where lots of money comes in on the unders, which happened in some offshore books last year, you might miss out on the best time. You know, a couple books I looked at last year, I remember some of the money coming in on the under late on Saturday and your Saturday number, uh, if you're going to bet the under was actually better than the Sunday one before the Super Bowl. So so that's some stuff to think about as well. I mean, how much is going to come in for some of these overinflated lines? So I, I've been, uh, you know, reaching out to some of the people in the industry uh, behind the window trying to find out what's best. And I've been getting some mixed answers myself, Adam. So uh, I'm excited for the game, though, no matter what. And uh, I think if you if there's a number you like, you got to take it. But, uh, you know, keep in mind, you got to watch that weather because uh, you're going to get some of the receiving numbers down if the if the weather's going to get worse and worse or be rainy and windy. Um, and possibly the running back numbers are going to go up. So just uh, keep that in mind. Well, and I think something else that was kind of interesting, uh, an interesting development here this week is that 
we had that COVID scare for the Chiefs with Demarcus Robinson and then uh, Daniel Kilgore, two players that you know are were listed as close contacts. So they're going through all of the protocols and all of that. And there's still a chance that they're cleared, of course, by Sunday. But you know that's kind of in the back of everybody's minds anyway, and, and that includes some of the more influential, sharper betters that are out there. Of you know these guys are doing everything that they're supposed to do, and, and there's still a chance that. You, know, you may wind up with some COVID positives, some close contact stuff, things of that sort, to the point where, yeah, maybe we would have seen a little bit of movement on Tuesday, maybe here on Wednesday, possibly some on Thursday, tomorrow, you know, as the books kind of increase limits a little bit more. But there's still that uncertainty, kind of that, that black cloud sort of hanging over the season as a whole, but especially here, this showcase game, where you know, some people may be reluctant to go out there and, and kind of take a stand, kind of take a position, just knowing that, hey, we still have a few more days of testing to worry about to where we hope nothing happens. But of course, you never know. Exactly. And, and, and not just that. I think there hasn't been a ton of movement just because where the juice is at at minus three, tw- uh, 120. You know, I think the extra 10 cents there is, uh, you know, people are just hopeful. They're hoping to get a three if they want, like Kansas City. And people on, on Tampa Bay are hopeful to get a three and a half. We'll see if that happens, but it's kind of, <laughs> I wonder if, uh, who's, who's going to be the desperate one to move first is what I wonder. But the COVID thinks, just like you said, yeah, it, it, it's, it's in the back of people's minds. I mean, what if something crazy happens? It's one of the quarterbacks, you know? I mean, I'm sure they're, these quarterbacks are kept under lock and key, but you never know with this little disease. You know, it gets through cracks and crevices and vents and <laughs> people get it that say they didn't even go out. So I, I have no clue what to expect. But at the same time, you know, that's why you have to make sure you have good bankroll management. Don't overinvest in the Super Bowl. Make it a fun thing to watch. Don't put too much money into it that you can't afford to lose. You know, it, there's nothing worse than watching a game and being stressed out about it. You know, drop your papers. Don't sit there and stare at your phone enjoy the game as much as you can so with that we get into some prop picks here on ats radio we've been doing that with all of our guests throughout the week here we we will continue to do that on thursday and friday as well the four that i've talked about here so far darrell williams over 45 and a half rushing and receiving yards i've even seen that as low as 42 and a half and it may keep going down because based on the action i'm seeing out there so far clyde edwards hilaire expected to be a bigger part of the offense for the Chiefs than Williams. So seeing Edwards Hilaire go up, seeing Williams go down a little bit. So maybe you get some better value on that one as we get closer to kickoff here. Also like Levante David, over seven and a half tackles. Hamstring issue for him, but I can't imagine there's any way, shape, or form where he misses the Super Bowl. Also for me on Tuesday, both teams to score three or more touchdowns. Yes, was plus 125 at BetMGM. And then no missed field goal, minus 143 at DraftKings. I think I saw it minus 140 at William Hill or FanDuel, one of the two when I wrote the article over at ATS.io. So those are the four from me. Uh, We also had Brian Blessing talk about liking the Chiefs total team rushing yards over on yesterday's show. Kyle Hunter talked about liking Ronald Jones over rushing yards, Cameron Brait under receiving yards, and under 10.5 for penalties in the game. So those are some of the props that we've talked about here so far. And Kev, I know you've got a few more props than I do here for this segment. So I'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, what's the first prop that you're looking at here for the Super Bowl? Well, it, before I get to that, 
Well, I guess you'd call this a prop. I mean, there's an alt line on the Super Bowl. And I remember you mentioning, Adam, that uh, you don't think the the spread's going to come into play. Well, if that's the case, I've been thinking a little bit more about that. You could take an alt line at minus seven and a half at plus 190, of course, if you think that uh, Kansas City is going to possibly blow them away. But I, I found a better prop and I didn't take it yet. But I mean, if I really like Kansas City before the game, maybe I will. You can get Kansas City winning by 7 to 12 points at plus 450. And you can get Kansas City winning 13 to 18 points at plus 625 at Bookmaker, right? I would rather go that direction because you have the 7 and you have the better odds. You know, you just sacrifice the extra unit because you'd be playing both. But I really don't see Kansas City winning by over 18 points. You know, I think no matter what, Brady's going to at least make it respectable. So I just want to throw that out there, Adam, since you don't think it's uh, the spread's going to come into play. Have you look got a chance to look at that? No, it's not something I usually look at. I, I generally try not to bet a lot of props that are, you know, sort of exact result type things, whether it's a player prop or, you know, the final score of the game, final point total for each team, stuff like that. I like the yes, no, over, under type stuff. But you bring up a good point that, You know, if you do think that Kansas City wins this game and wins this game comfortably, there are alternate ways to do it other than just taking that minus three. You could take the bigger line. You know, you could take uh, some of the, you know, exact result props as you're mentioning. It's kind of the same thing like we've talked about in the past where, you know, maybe you like a team, but you don't want to lay minus 200 on them as a money line favorite, something like that. Well, if they're going to win the game, their quarterback's probably winning the MVP. So maybe that's plus 105, plus 110 plus 115 instead of laying the minus 200 on the straight up money line. So that's the nice thing about this Super Bowl is that there are a lot of different ways you can go and alternate ways of playing your thoughts on the game that may have a higher return for you. Yes, absolutely. And just comparing the two, I like taking the plus 450, which is actually plus 350, and the plus 625, which is plus 525, rather than the alt line at minus 7.5 is all. It's pretty much the point I was trying to say. But, yeah, there's a lot of ways to attack this, and uh, and, and, and it would be a nice hit if the Kansas City Chiefs win by 7 to 18 points right there. Um, let's move right into my first prop play, Leonard Fournette over – 3.5 receptions. That one I like a lot. And I believe I got a plus 105 on that one. So Fournette has at least four receptions in the last three playoff games. Kansas City is actually the worst team against pass catching running backs in the NFL, giving up 834 yards in yards they are, and they're third in receptions allowed at 93. And so if you remember Tom, uh, Tom Brady to white, I think both you and I have cashed on those props before. Well, this is what Brady likes to do. Plus Byron left, which has left a lot of uh, the in-game decision-making up to Tom Brady. I can see Leonard Fournette getting a lot of dump offs in the flat right there. So I love this prop over 3.5 Adam. Yeah, I think this is a good one. And, and especially too, you know, as we've talked about a lot, and as I talked about last week on the show, I do like Kansas City. I like Kansas City to win the game pretty comfortably here. 
that means that Leonard Fournette will have opportunities to be targeted in the passing game because you know the Chiefs, if they do have a lead here in this one, then you know obviously they're going to try and keep everything in front of them, not get beaten over the top by Evans, Godwin, all that. So that means you know maybe Brady has no choice but to dump it off to Fournette. And even if the game doesn't play out in that way, then maybe it's just a big part of the game plan as it's been in most of the Brady Super Bowls to use the running backs effectively in the passing game. So I like that one there with Fournette over three and a half. I think it's a good look. All right. Sounds good. You want me to move into the next one? Yeah. I think you said you had four of them, right? I believe. Yeah. I have four of them. All right. Yeah. Go ahead and move into the next one then. Let's do it. We have number of times. This one's kind of more of a creative one. It has nothing to do with the gameplay itself. And I like to, you know, try to find a little value with everything. Last year, they, it was, I, we won on the Tom Brady mentions, right? Uh, it, it was juice, but it went way up. Well, this one I'm still seeing at minus 105. Number of times that the Patriots will be said over two times. I don't think that Nance and Tony Romo are going to be able to contain themselves here. I mean, with the amount of Super Bowls that Brady went with the Patriots, it's going to be a talking point multiple times. There's a lot of time uh, downtime between plays and they're going to have to feel like they have to fill it with as much talking as possible. I just don't even see how it, it's possible that they're not going to mention the Packers less than four times. So I, I like this prop over too. And it's one of those more creative ones that have nothing to do with the game. I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, the, the Patriots mentioned thing makes a lot of sense. I mean, we just talked about it. You know, if Leonard Fournette is used a lot in the passing game, it's very easy for Tony Romo to say, you know, and this is something that Brady and the Patriots did all the time, you know, using James white and, and using some of their other running backs and, you also have Rob Gronkowski who played for the Patriots, you know, with Tom Brady, you know, so it's just, it's one of those things that I think is very easy to sort of mention, you know, maybe even talk about Antonio Brown, you know, having been with the Steelers and, oh, you know, the Steelers had some of those matchups with the Patriots. I, I agree with you. I think this is one that could definitely go well over. And, and if it is a flat line there on two as well, I mean, so what are the chances the Patriots are only mentioned once or not at all during this Super Bowl? Oh my God. I can't believe it's that too, to be honest with you. But uh, this is one I'm definitely going to be attacking. Uh, next one. I'll, I'll go next here. We'll, we'll go okay, ahead and break okay. yours up yeah. since you got two of them left. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the two that you've got here so far for net receptions and also mentions of the Patriots. One that I like here, and, and this one is juiced quite a bit, but it is one that I, I kind of believe I talked about a little bit in passing on yesterday's show. If not, I'll go ahead and talk about it here. Total kickoff returns under four and a half at William Hill. This is minus 220. Now I've seen minus 250 out there at points bet. And I know that this is a very chalky prop. And a lot of people don't like to play the chalky props. They want to bet a little to win a lot. So they'll bet safeties and, you know, long shot, first touchdown scorers, long shot MVPs, this and that. But when I look at this one here, under four and a half. And I understand that a lot of people are probably saying, okay, well, there's expected to be a lot of scoring in this game, which would mean a lot of kickoffs, which would mean a lot of kickoff opportunities for there to be kickoff returns. But when you look at these two kickers specifically, Bradley Pinion for Tampa Bay, 85% touchback rate on the season, 85 out of 100 kickoffs. Harrison Butker, 76%, 72 out of 95 he was only 1.4 yards per kickoff shorter than Pinion. So it was one of those cases where Butker could have had more touchbacks, but maybe teams returned it out of the end zone. 
something like that. I don't really expect these teams to run the risk of, you know, having a fumble on a kick return or, you know, something else that kind of goes wrong. You get a, a holding penalty and get pinned at your own 15 or at your own 10, something like that. I think these teams will just go ahead, take the ball at the 25, not be the least bit concerned about whether or not their offenses will move the football. So the one thing that scares me a little bit, we talked about this a little bit already, Kiev, is that wind could be a factor. You could have some weather considerations. Maybe that knocks some kickoffs down, something like that. But both of these guys with plenty of leg to kick it into the end zone or through the end zone, I like under four and a half total kickoff returns. Again, it is minus 220, but I just don't see a whole lot of kick returns in this game. Oh, that, that's that's fine. That's great. I, I like that as well because you have to think with Butaker, uh, the the Chiefs were probably winning a lot of these games, forcing the other team to take it out of the end zone where they should be taking a knee. You know, that chance that they could break one for a kickoff return. So uh, great stuff. Yeah, both of these guys have uh, some serious legs and uh, uh, being able to return it over four times is is a big feat these days in the NFL, especially when they're trying to take kink returns out of the game. So even with a little wind, I mean, you're going to get some stuff that uh, the wind is in your direction, right? Most of the time when teams are scoring the touchdowns, the wind's blowing with them, right? So they're kicking off that way. So uh, great prop there, Adam. I really like it. All right, what's the next one that you're looking at? Next one I like is total sacks. And there's actually two plays in this one. I'm going to take the total sacks for Tampa Bay over 1.5 at minus 190. And I'm going to take the total sacks in the game over 3.5 at minus 150 here. Tampa Bay ranks fourth in pressure rate and third in sacks. I mean, the big thing for me is that the Eric Fisher injury is going to shake some things up in KC, right? It's going to shake up their offensive line. And you know that Todd Bowles is trying, going to try to take advantage of that. He's going to try to blitz a bit. And we're already hearing some whispers of that. Well, you know, Mahomes ain't afraid to take, to go down. And if Mahomes is a little bit scared to run the ball because of his concussion or his toe, he's more reluctant just to possibly go down himself. So he won't get hit, you know? So I think this is an easy prop to win myself. And on the other side of it, Brady's not afraid to go down either. What did Brady do the last game? He threw three interceptions. I mean, Brady's going to take a sack now before he's going to throw a a dangerous interception unless they're really, really losing the game. And if they're really losing the game, they probably already took a a few sacks as well. So on both sides of the coin, I really like it. But I like it a lot for Tampa Bay, and I like it a lot for the total at over three and a half, Adam. This was one that I took a pretty close look at. And I agree, there's some shuffling on the offensive line for Kansas City. And you know, I've seen some very smart people that I respect say that they think that Todd Bowles will be a lot more aggressive in this rematch. In the first game, he sat back in zone, kind of tried to keep everything in front of him, and it, it didn't really work at all. And Patrick Mahomes had a monster first half and threw for over 460 yards and took the second half of the game off pretty much. So maybe Bowles does force the issue here a little bit. And again, I keep going back to this because – There are correlations involved when you start talking about how you think the game plays out and how some of these props are going to go. Again, I like Kansas City. So what that means is that Tampa Bay is going to have to throw the football a lot in the second half. At least that's my opinion on the game. I might even take a look at something like Brady attempts over something like that. But if Brady's going to be dropping back a lot, 
then there is a higher percentage chance of him getting sacked. And that's something where, look, Brady was not sacked a lot during the regular season, has not been sacked a ton here in the playoffs either, but there's always one or two a game. You know, they, they don't give up five or six a game like we see some teams do, but there's usually one or two kind of spotted in there a little bit. And then for Kansas City, I know Mahomes is a super mobile guy, but Tampa Bay, as you said, they pressure a lot, they blitz a lot, and they got there a lot. So I think this one makes sense. And it's another example of why you don't want to be scared of laying juice on some of these props. You know, sometimes it's because it's a sharp side and they just got, you know, money down before you did and kind of push that number up a little bit. But also, you know, when there's juice, it's something that has a higher expectation of happening to the point where, you know, I don't think you want to shy away from stuff like that. And Adam, you should have some inverse, you know, in your prop betting uh, portfolio, let's say. I mean, what if the game is a 13 to 17 game? I mean, look at your prop bets and think to yourself, what's going to happen if this final score is 13 to 17? Am I going to lose my ass? Or uh, what's going to happen if it's 40 to 35, you know, you have to look at both ends of the spectrum And this sack thing is a little bit of protection. I think if it's going to be a lower scoring game, you have to imagine that some of these teams have, one of these teams has gotten some sacks. So it kind of works both ways and you can still hit that uh, obviously sack prop, even if there is some high scoring. So it's a little bit of protection as well. Yeah, I like that one. I, I like that thought. I like that thought process. And I like that, you know, you're kind of looking at it from sort of a multifaceted approach too. I'm not just playing the over for the game, but, you know, also sort of looking at the two teams individually where maybe one cashes and maybe the other one doesn't and you drink the juice on it. But, you know, again, there's a method to the madness there. There's a thought process. There's an approach. And that's a really important thing, I think, in a lot of different ways when you talk about these props. Second one for me here, and like I said, I'll probably have about 10 of them over the course of the week on the show doing two uh, per broadcast here. I'm looking at McCole Hardman receiving yards under. Now, I've seen 28 and a half with, you know, minus 112, minus 115, something like that. I've seen 27 and a half at even money. Admittedly, I don't know the exact value of one receiving yard, but, you know, I'd probably be more inclined to take the minus 112 on under 28 and a half, something like that. You know, when I look at McCall Hardman, I just don't see him as a focal point of this offense. Now, if Demarcus Robinson isn't able to play, maybe that does give Hardman more of a chance at getting some targets. Maybe Sammy Watkins is able to go here. That would take away from Hardman as well. But I think instead of using a guy like Hardman, you can just use a guy like Edwards Hilaire now that he's back. I think Darrell Williams is a guy that you can target. And I also think too that, you know, San Francisco did a great job taking Travis Kelsey away last year. Only six targets, caught all six, but only 43 yards. I think the Chiefs want to get Kelsey more involved. I think the Chiefs want to have Tyreek Hill involved as much as he was, you know, in that first game. So when you look at this and you look at all the weapons that are available for Mahomes, I just don't see McCole Hardman being that high on the pecking order. Getting a carry and maybe an explosive rushing play, Sure, that's a possibility, but I just don't see him here as a focal point of the passing game. So I know it's a low under at 28 and a half, but I just don't think that Hardman will be a trusted option for Mahomes in this game. 
I agree with you because there's just too many weapons to go around when it comes to the Chiefs, and you know they're going to want to get their main guys going here. The 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 emergence of Edwards Hilaire in this game is really going to hurt some of these other guys at, at, with the number of attempts. I mean, we only have four quarters of play here, so uh, if you like that one, you might even like his receptions as well under the two and a half. Yeah, is that something that you're looking at then? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking at that one, and I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, that, that could be one I'm going to be playing, which would be uh, possibly featured on one of our my next shows as well. So great stuff there, Adam. Really like that one, man. So let's go ahead and talk about your show real quick here. I know we usually save it for the end, but let's go ahead and put it right in the in the juicy part of the show here because I'm sure that you know I know that you just did a show on on some of the prop stuff and all that, but I imagine you got another broadcast coming up here this week. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we have another broadcast coming up and uh, we're actually going to have one of the uh, lines makers from my bookie uh, coming on to actually discuss some of the props that he created there. Raphael Sparza. He's also from doc sports. And so I'm really excited to get him on and I'm Saturday. Kyle and I are going to get on our better odds sports betting show at 1 PM. Eastern Chris Felica is going to join us from ESPN. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some props that Chris is going to take as well. And we're going to try to throw out a few more for this huge Super Bowl week. So if uh, you guys have the time, uh, feel free to uh, join us and uh, check it out. Yeah, make sure you follow Kiev on Twitter at the odds breakers. And uh, I guess with that, what's the last prop that you're looking at here for the Super Bowl, or at least for well, you know, on our show? All right. Well, there's there's two of them. I have two more, and I'll quickly go over them. This one's going to sound really public, and I thought hard about it because I'm usually the one in Super Bowls and big games to fade the top receiver and go big on the next receiver. But the more I dug into it, I just can't see a way that Tampa can stop Tyreek Hill, you know, um, and I think he's going to get his yards pending the weather. Now, the weather does get me a little bit concerned about this, but Tyreek Hill can break. He has breaking speed. I mean, he can break a lot of tackles. He can just one play. He can get, you know, a chunk of 50 to 80 yards. And so I I think that he's got a good shot of taking over 95 yards, hundred yards, wherever the prop is set, where you're looking at. Um, Obviously it sounds public because he got 200 yards that last game against Tampa Bay, that first quarter, which was freaking awesome by the way, but look at what Tampa's got on defense. Their safeties are banged up. Jordan Whitehead left last game with a nasty shoulder injury, and they seem to be really quiet about it, which makes me worry because I think if he was okay, they'd be talking about it. And Antoine Winfield, the other safety, missed last game. If these guys can't play, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do over the top for a guy like Tyreek Hill. And, uh, you know, Maybe this whole yardage thing wasn't a fluke, and he's going to get his. Now, does Tampa try to stop him just of the sheer embarrassment? Maybe, but then they have Kelsey to deal with as well, and they know all too well what Kelsey could do. Just a lot of weapons on this uh, Kansas City team, but I don't. I think that you know he's the one that I like that could go over uh, for sure, uh, pending the weather, obviously, and I think if you want to take a little shot, maybe half of that for him at MVP at plus 1000, I wouldn't have a problem with it because the quarterback MVP odds suck this year. They are massively juiced. They are incorrectly priced. And the only other player that I think has that next level value, that great athlete is Tyree kill. 
I mean, there's just too, otherwise there's just too much to go around, right. With this offense. So uh, plus 1000 there. Yeah. I like that a little bit, but I really do, do think he goes over his yards, Adam. Something I think is kind of interesting to think about here and, and kind of speculate about is, you know, Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year and I don't know if he was the right call. I mean, certainly he played very well in that fourth quarter to bring Kansas City back and, of course, you know, win the Super Bowl. But Damian Williams had a realistic, you know, stat line worthy of winning that award. He put the game away for him. Absolutely. And and, and running backs don't win it. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a very long time since a running back has won it, and I don't think a running back wins it here in this game. But you sort of wonder here, from a Super Bowl standpoint, if there's a skill guy, that has a big game, namely, you know, one of the wide receivers, tight ends, whatever, because they gave it to Mahomes last year. Is there that chance that maybe they look at it and say, okay, Mahomes threw for 350, but Tyreek Hill had 130 yards and two touchdowns. Like, eh, maybe we'll give it to Tyreek Hill here. You know, I, I just wonder if that's a possibility because Mahomes got his last year. And, you know, it was, I'm not going to say there was controversy about it, but you could make the case that Damian Williams should have gotten it instead. Oh, I think a lot of people made that case, and I was one of them. And maybe I'm just bitter because I took Mac to get the MVP in the College Football National Championship, and they gave it to Devontae Smith. Who knows? But maybe there's a little trend there that uh, receivers are kind of getting theirs, you know. And if you look at any player that was like Devontae Smith to his college team, it's Tyreek Hill to his NFL football team here. So, you know, it, real interesting. But if he breaks a few and, and scores a couple TDs here, wow, you know, it, that would be a nice little payout for you. Well, a lot of good thoughts here on the Super Bowl. We've had a lot of good thoughts so far this week on the big game. I guess the last thing I'll ask you here then, man, I mean, who wins? You know, call your shot. What, what are you thinking here? What kind of final are you looking at? Well, well, I think, uh, you know, the Chiefs win 30 to 27, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that what the line kind of tells us? <laughs> Vegas knows, right? Well, I mean, my line was 3.25, right? And so I have to go by that. And, uh, you know, I, I love Tom Brady, and he deserves all the respect that he gets. He, I think he is the greatest of all time, but it's Mahomes' time. And I think there's a passing of the torch that's going to happen in this game. But if you really like the Chiefs and don't want to lay the minus 165, minus 170, whatever it's at right now, I'm going to ask you a question, Adam. Do you think that athletes are superstitious? Yes, I think so. 100% they are. What was the color of the Gatorade last year when Kansas City won it? Oh, God, what was it? It was orange. It was orange. And orange comes up the most times out of every single Gatorade bath. It's 33% of the times. The next is clear. And then there was only a few citrus and a couple other ones. Let me ask you this. If you're the water boy for Kansas City and you make that Gatorade blue and they happen to lose this game, do you think that there's any chance that they're going to have you back for next year? That's a pretty good point. I, that's an excellent point. I see what you're getting at here. And, uh, you know, those novelty props always really interesting. Orange is probably a good call because, you know, as you said last year, it's, that's what the Chiefs had when they won. And the other team on the other side wears a shade of orange. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think orange is that is that your lock of the week here? The the orange Gatorade prop? <laughs> well, I haven't talked to Gatorade myself. I bet they're not returning my calls, but uh or, or the Chiefs. <laughs> but uh no, it's not a lock, but I'll tell you this. 
uh, rather than laying minus 170 on the Chiefs, you might be able to get the same value at plus 125. And if the Chiefs happen to lose, Tampa still might have orange Gatorade right there. But I just can't imagine this team changing it up when they won on orange last year. So I think that's a nice little sneaky one. And I think the I think it's kind of in the price too. So uh, I, I, I like that one for a little bit. I like it. That's a good call. That's a good way to uh, transition here over to the college basketball side of things for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, I know we've talked a lot of Big Ten here so far on your segments, and we will do that in a few minutes' time. But I've also noticed that, you know, with your play articles over at the Odds Breakers, a lot of times you're looking at stuff in the ACC. I know we talked about Duke and and kind of some of your uh, dislike of the Duke Blue Devils for this season. But I also saw that uh, over the weekend, I believe, you had North Carolina State and Syracuse over the total. And we generally don't really think about Syracuse games as, as being high scoring with that zone defense and all of that. But it does appear here this season, Kiev, that you know, Syracuse, pretty good offensive team. You know, defensively, they're still limiting opportunities, but not to the same degree that they typically do. Uh, is there something you've kind of picked up with the orange here? Well, yeah. I mean, I've noticed that there's going to be some value on those lines because I don't believe that Ken Palm does it correctly when it comes to totals. I think they shade the unders or they shade the overs a little bit too much under. And I think the low totals, they're a little too high on. So on the ends of the spectrum, I I usually find value. And to be honest with you, I don't even think you have to necessarily specialize on a conference if you're betting totals because there's a lot of great information out there. One thing about Syracuse is that these totals are made based upon the adjusted tempo. Well, you look at the adjusted tempo, and then you look at their average possession length, there's a huge discrepancy. They're 119th in adjusted tempo, which is pretty fast, above the average, but they're 29th in average possession length. So you realize that the tempo that's put into the number of this game might be a little bit shy. And, you know, and, and that's what ended up happening in this game. Unfortunately, with four minutes left, they decided to stop playing, kind of waiting for the last shot of the game. And I have no idea why they did that. We still won it at the end. It was close. It was trending 90 to 80% over this whole game. But, uh, you know, I was happy to get it, but I thought I was on the right side the whole game just because of that discrepancy. And NC State, there's a little bit of a discrepancy as well. 69.4 is their adjusted tempo, but they're actually 16.6 in average possession length, ranking 137th in adjusted tempo and 106 in average possession length. So that's where I found a little bit of an edge. Also, a lot of people think that if a team has an adjusted tempo of 74 and they're playing a team that has an adjusted tempo of 74, the next game, if they, they play each other is going to have a tempo of 74. That's absolutely wrong. Their tempo is going to be about 78 because it compounds, you know, if you, you have to multiply it and divide it by the average tempo, right? So if you take the 74 times 74 divided by the average tempo, say it's 70, the real tempo for the next game is actually 78. Because if two fast teams are playing each other, it's going to be faster than what they average. A lot of people don't understand that, and it's a way to get into totals, especially when you're getting numbers from places like Torvik and Ken Palm. Well, that's really excellent, insightful stuff there. I mean, that's something that I'm sure a lot of people don't really think about. And, and as you said, it's something that's you know pretty easy to kind of work into your handicapping so long as you can do you know, some of that math and kind of pick up on some of these things where, you know, tempo and possession length, as you said, there can be some discrepancies. And if you find one of those, I think it's a pretty interesting opportunity 
to try and cash some winners there on the total side. So with that being said, Syracuse plays Clemson here this weekend and Clemson, a very slow team. They move at a glacial pace for the most part here. Um, yeah, they've had some games that were very low against teams like Moorhead state and Virginia, a couple of teams kind of sped them up to a degree, but what are you thinking about this one here where you've kind of found an angle on Syracuse? I feel like, have you found something on Clemson that makes some sense? Well, I'm glad you brought up this one because there is an edge, I think in this game, um, Syracuse, obviously they have a game against Louisville. I believe it's tonight. So um, we don't know what's going to happen. I, I would, if I, if you like Clemson, I would have hoped that Clemson was going to lose to North Carolina. Instead, they upset North Carolina and beat them. But Syracuse plays faster. Clemson plays slower. It's just in general, right? Um, Clemson does pick up the play, pace if they are hitting their shots or if they find a groove or maybe they're way behind in the game. But if you look at the teams that Clemson beat over the past month or so, um, there, there's something that they all have in common. And that is they don't shoot the three that well. You know, they, they beat Louisville and North Carolina over. There's the only two wins they have out of six games. So they have four losses since mid-January. Louisville shoots the three, ranking 233rd in the nation. North Carolina shoots the three, ranking 290th in the nation. The teams that beat them right here happen to be shooting threes very well. You know, Florida State was popping threes over them like nobody's business. Uh, Georgia Tech popped threes over them at home, ranking 59th in the nation. We found out that Clemson's defense that formerly was number one in Ken Palm earlier this month or, or sorry, last month, February now, has a weakness. They rank 225th against the three-point shot. The good news for Clemson is that Syracuse is just one of those teams that doesn't shoot the three that well. They only rank 31 or 241st, 31.7% from three. So that's the angle that you have here. Syracuse also struggles when facing teams with a good defense like Virginia, uh, North Carolina. Syracuse, gives up 80 points on the road. So that's a big one for me as well. Syracuse kind of beats up the, the medium teams uh, or, or the bad teams, but when they face a good defense, they, they tend to get throttled. So if this game is under three and a half, Adam, I'll probably be one of those contrarians playing Clemson. Anything else you've noticed in, in the ACC with any of the other teams that are out there that, you know, you've found to be actionable, you know, <laughs> The ACC is definitely a lot weaker than it was. We were on Virginia Tech last week, and uh, it was a bad start. I thought that was going to be a loser, but Virginia Tech kind of turned it on. Um, there's no the, – the, the conference is weak. The conference is weaker than it normally is. It's usually the ACC is the best conference. Then you have your Big Ten. Well, God, I don't even know if the ACC is as good as the SEC this year. And right now I have the Big 12 as the best conference and the Big 10 is second. So uh, that's one thing I definitely noticed. Uh, North Carolina is trending up, in my opinion. I'm glad they lost against Clemson because I'm going to look at them against Duke this week. We'll see where that spread is. But Duke has also won the last few games as well. You have to remember that. I mean, I wish I had more to give you for the Duke-North Carolina game. Duke's going to be a three-point favorite. Uh, it's going to be a great game to watch, but at the same time, they're not the great teams in the top 10. Duke is ranked 32nd on Ken Palm. North Carolina is ranked 43rd. So that's going to be an exciting one. But um, I I'm going to try to dive a little bit deeper into this one. 
both teams improved. I think North Carolina is slightly better than Duke. And I think Duke makes a lot of mistakes uh, that they shouldn't make. Uh, Cameron Indoor is obviously not the same place without fans as well. So um, I noticed that Miami had that great uh, play. Well, they played amazing against Duke and they were a fade team of mine. Wong came back and did a great job. So uh, not much there. Florida State's coming off that loss against Georgia Tech. They're going to be uh, wanting to beat the heck out of Wake Forest this weekend. I think this is kind of one of those uh, uh, get-back-up games. So uh, even though you're going to be laying 13 or 14 points, I might look to play Florida State, which is a very well-rounded team and probably the best team in the ACC. It's such a tough conference because, I mean, Virginia and Florida State are, are pretty clearly above the rest of the league, which means that you get a lot of these spreads that are in the you know, one to six range where kind of the home team's favored, or maybe you wind up with a really short dog, something like that. And everybody's kind of beating everybody. You know, Virginia's kind of stayed above that fray. They've only lost one of their eight conference games, Virginia tech and Florida state, two losses apiece. Louisville with three, but everybody else has four or more in conference play. So do you find that, you know, a higher variance conference like that is sort of easier to bet, or does it make it more difficult because, you know, really any one of these teams can lose to any one of these teams on any given night. I think that it makes it easier because you're going to look more towards the dogs in this because the dogs are, uh, they're, they're upsetting teams. You know, as you, as you can see, this has been happening. And I know the spread's not that high, but in general here, uh, just remember these teams are kind of all evenly, you know, evenly matched in general, except for Florida State and Virginia. So the rest of these teams, you can just kind of look at it, you know, who's going to be the five point dog. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of value on them. It's kind of the way I look at it. I'm not sure if that's right, Adam, but uh, you know, we'll see how this conference uh, uh, beats each other up throughout the rest of February. I want to ask you about a couple of games here in the big 10 as well, which I know is sort of your area of expertise here on the college basketball side of things. A couple of close games last night with uh, Maryland winning by one over Purdue and then an Illinois-Indiana game that was a pretty good one, went to overtime. Illinois uh, barely covers the three number for a lot of people out there, uh, or the three and a half that was available earlier on in the day, winning by four on the road there at Indiana. We already talked about the two Thursday games in the Big Ten, Ohio, or, uh, yeah, Ohio State and Iowa, also Rutgers and Minnesota, with Minnesota back out on the road once again. We did discuss those on Monday's show with Kyle Hunter, but – I know you and Kyle talk a lot of college basketball, specifically the Big Ten. Any thoughts you want to add to what Kyle mentioned earlier on in the show? Um, no, I, I actually agree with all your sides on that one. I like Iowa here, probably facing a, an Ohio State team that might be a little bit overrated. But at the same time, I will tell you, I really love what Holtzman did, has done over there to this team. Uh, Liddell has been great. I, I just think that's you know it's time for them to step back a little bit. And Iowa, yeah, they did beat Michigan State last week. They didn't cover the spread. Uh, CJ Frederick should be back. I think that Iowa has some upside because of their pace of play here, especially coming home. I think Iowa's going to ready to kind of try to take that number one in the Big Ten status back. Um, when they played at Illinois, it was a neck and neck game, and Illinois was at home, and Illinois won that game. But you know, I, I Iowa they're definitely a top two team in my opinion. I think I think it's Michigan, and this changes as we discussed before. But I think it's Michigan, Iowa maybe Ohio state or Illinois uh, is third. I probably Illinois still for me, but it's really close. All right. So let's look at the Friday game here game. We haven't talked about yet on the show this week, 
Maryland on the road at Penn State. This one on Fox Sports 1, as we talked about. Maryland with that one-point win last night over Purdue, a nail-biter. Had to come from behind, trailing at halftime by a bucket. Now they go out on the road to Penn State. And this Penn State team is good, not great. Pretty good offensive team. They struggle a little bit on the defensive end relative to some of the other Big Ten teams. But they are a top 30 team, according to Ken Palm in the nation. So what are you thinking here about this one on Friday night? Well, I disagree with that they're a top 30 team. But I also kind of disagree that Maryland is too. <laughs> Both of these teams are kind of fade teams for me. And it sucks that they're playing each other here. It's going to be ugly. I mean, Penn State showed their face against Wisconsin. I was kind of, as even as a Badger fan, halfway hoping Penn State was going to cover that. I'll get some more value on Maryland this game. But, I, I mean, it's going to be Penn State minus two at home. You know, I, I don't think that's that that bad is a spread you know it's totals gonna be around 144 Penn State's big man John Harar has been playing really well lately if he gets into foul trouble then this is a more of a live bet situation you're going to take Maryland there because they are pretty small uh, or just not talented at all besides John Harar down low so remember that one thing Penn State has done well is played pretty well at home lately they you know did beat Wisconsin and you know, they look good and then they can look really bad. Um, Maryland coming off a win now makes me less prone to take them. You know, it's, I usually like taking big 10 teams off of a loss. I guess a lot of times in general, you think that, but I, you know, obviously number dependent is all times, but Penn state's going to try to push the pace and Maryland's going to try to slow it down. But Penn state is at home. Maryland's going to have a large advantage inside where they shoot 53% from two Maryland ranks 11th in near proximity points. If you look at Haslam metrics and Penn state ranks 325th in defending two pointers on Ken Palm. So, I mean, Maryland shouldn't even take a three. They should just stick to the paint and try to just beat them up pretty bad down there with some good ball movement. Um, Penn state does have the advantage from three though. They shoot a 35.8% and Maryland ranks 246th on defense, allowing threes. 35.5%. So Penn state has that three point advantage of friends. The question is, are they going to be hitting the threes? You know, I mean, and that's kind of where you think about the live betting situation there, put Harard in a foul trouble. Penn state's not hitting threes. Maryland covers his spread all the way, but uh, you know, I, I have the game at pick them personally. So uh, 73 to 73 is kind of where I have it. So I'm not, I, I'm not rushing to the window on this one. Well, we'll see what that number comes out here for that Friday night matchup. Last game in the Big Ten to discuss here, Kiev, and I wonder if Illinois got softened up a little bit with last night's close game against Indiana as they prepare to take on the Wisconsin Badgers here on Saturday. And a big game here, a huge game really for both of these teams because you you have this situation here where I think Wisconsin is a very quality team. Obviously, Illinois is a very quality team. And now we start kind of thinking about how seeding will shake out for this conference tournament teams looking to kind of build up that NCAA tournament resume to worry about seating there, of course, for the bubble in Indianapolis. So big time game here between two teams that are top 10 on some sites, but are just top 20 as far as the AP goes. You know, it's funny about these teams, Adam, is you look at them this year and they return most of their same players, both teams. And did they really improve that much from last year? I don't think so. I mean, Wisconsin won 10 games in a row last year, the Big Ten down the stretch. You know, they, they became the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament until uh, 
obviously it got canceled for COVID. Illinois, you know, returning Dosunmu, that was such huge news that he's coming back, not going to the NBA, Cockburn, Frazier. Well, what happens is that their forwards stink, you know, Benzamishvili. The good news for this game is that Wisconsin is soft down low. I mean, Ravers and Potter, they don't rebound. You know, they don't offensive rebound. They hang out around three-point land hoping to take threes. You've got your six, eight, six, ten guys sitting there shooting three-pointers, right? Well, that's going to give Illinois a big advantage, especially if they're not hitting. Potter hasn't been hitting that well. Wet Ravers is hot and cold. You know, I find that interesting. Um, so it, Illinois' weakness, if you're going to exploit them, you're going to have some ball movement down low. And I, Wisconsin, with that swing offense, they, they keep the ball up pretty high, you know. And Wisconsin is a terrible team at shooting twos. They rank 234th in the nation at 48% field goal shooting twos. I mean, they shoot the three pretty well, but they're not at home. They're going to be a little cold. You know, I, I guess Illinois is going to be a four-point uh, favorite here. The total is going to be 138. But, you know, just going from what I said, Illinois averages 10 points per game more than Wisconsin. Maybe they're softened up a little bit. And I am concerned. Illinois was a four-point uh, open-up favorite against Indiana. It went down to two. They ended up winning that game in overtime and covering. Bad beat for the people that took Indiana. But I still think in, in Illinois gets the job done here. And I got Illinois winning 72 to 66. So at the three, this would probably be a play on Illinois for me. And I hope Wisconsin does get some uh, dog status bets on them because I, I think I would come back at Illinois, my man. Great stuff on today's show with Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. And as we talked about earlier in the broadcast, you've got another podcast coming up this week to go along with the great written content over at the website. That's right. And I think I have another quick play for you guys, if you don't mind, Adam. Go for it. Michigan State is slated to play Nebraska on Saturday, if it happens. But Nebraska has been on COVID protocols for the last month. That's literally about how long since they've played a game. Michigan State's been losing. You know that doesn't happen long with Izzo. I can see a slump buster game coming up with Michigan State. Nebraska plays fast. They lose fast. I'm going to be taking Michigan State at the half here, and I'm probably going to take them for the full game. So just give you a little teaser for coming up this Saturday. Oh, I like it. And I'm sure you'll be writing about that one then over at the Odds Breakers. Yes, for sure. We'll, we'll do, Adam. What else is going on over there right now, man? Well, check us out. We have lots of free plays, lots of uh, breakdowns. There's, we try to put as much value as we can. We try to get you at least uh, between me, Chris, and a couple other people, uh, at least one play a day, right? And Chris has been doing a great job. Uh, we did pretty well yesterday on our free plays. So we always love college basketball on the weekends, and we focus on it. So check that out. If you like what you hear, you know, feel free to become a, a free member or you can become a premium member and then you just get what I bet on and, and the plays that I like to make and cash on. So uh, really appreciate all of our audience and uh, check us out. Podcast comes out Thursday. Yeah, make sure you follow Kiev on Twitter at the Odds Breakers or at OB Kiev. Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one, Adam. There you go. There's Kiev O'Neill again at the Odds Breakers on Twitter. Theoddsbreakers.com is that website. Coming up on our Thursday edition of ATS Radio, we'll chat with the one and only Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from BradPowersSports.com. 
Some more Super Bowl props and discussion coming your way. We'll get some college basketball insights from him, including a couple of picks for Thursday night's action. So it should be a lot of fun with that. Uh, Still working on a guest for Friday, but I'm sure we'll finish out the week on a high note here on ATS Radio. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.